Make America Great Again podcast with Brian Crabtree. Great to have you. Another Make America Great Again podcast. I'm your host, Brian Crabtree from Talk40.com, where you can find the latest news and analysis on the biggest stories affecting you in this country. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, Clinton's latest comments overseas in India, bashing America, and most importantly, sexist bashing of men in this country. Rex Tillerson hearing the famous Trump words, you're fired. And more on economic news and how the Trump administration is faring. Here's a question some people can't seem to answer. Is there anything that Trump could do, any performance, any success that he could enact, that he could create, that would cause you Trump haters to stop, well, hating Trump? Is there anything that would wake you up and say, maybe I was wrong about the guy? We'll get to that a little bit later in the podcast. Hillary Clinton overseas, bashing men, saying women in America take direction on who they vote for by their abusive husbands and really taking down America on foreign soil, explaining why Trump won. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is. I'm going to solve it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what a dumb bitch. I mean, let me just say what it is. She is a dumb bitch. I can say that on a podcast. Hillary Clinton happens to be one of the biggest losers who have ever made prominent political history. I mean, she's ridden the tales of her husband, Bill Clinton, for years, showing up. He's a political genius. I don't like his policies, generally speaking, but he's a political genius. She's riding the coattails of her political genius husband. She is everything wrong with the Me Too movement. Think about it. If, if, if you think about the root cause of some of the issues that have brought, been brought against many, many dozens of men now. Yeah, I, okay, I get it. Some of that is men are just pigs. I, I understand that. There's no justification for the men that are pigs. But there's also no justification for women like Clinton who screw their way to the top as she has done. And I, I just, I think that the, she and Bill, to me, strike me as an arrangement. An arrangement that says, you're a genius, you're a philanderer, and I'm going to stick around because I know I'm weak and I'm a loser and without you I'm nothing. And so she runs around the world and the country is espousing her, her own views, her own feelings, her own resentments about her, very, her own relationships. She went on to say uh, later in the audio that um, one of the reasons Trump won is because uh, they struggle with men, struggle uh, with women. And the reason they struggle with women especially in the South, is because the men basically tell the women how to vote and they just do whatever the hell they tell them to do. I mean, that's essentially what she said. That's not out of context. That's what she said. So we're a racist country who doesn't like to see Indians get ahead, Mexicans get ahead, etc. And we, we just want to hold it the way it was. That's not what it is. This is more of this deplorables commentary. It shows you how much these people, especially on the left, loathe what is America. I just went to Mexico for a wedding. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to the SH whole country of Mexico. Had no interest in it. And so 
I went because it's one of my wife's best friends. And I go down there, and you get in. There's two airplanes coming in at 1130 at night, and there's three guys working at the Mexican Immigration Customs area. I'm like, you people are struggling. You're begging people to come down here because your, your, your country is so war-torn from the drug wars and the drug lords. You want people to come down here. We happen to be in an area that's that's been struggling due to some uh, the, the, the ships that were hijacked or bombs trying to be set off. Uh, the American consulates closed down. They've uh, brought some of the or most of the diplomats home. I mean, this is the area around Playa del Carmen, Cancun, that range, that region. And... And they got three people working. There's an incompetence level to Mexico in the culture that that makes me feel really bad for the Mexicans. I said to my wife once we were airborne on the way to hell out of there, I said, I'm looking forward to returning home to America because we have it so great here. Can you blame those people down there for wanting to come up here? No, I don't blame them at all. I want to risk life, limb, whatever it took to get the hell out of there. But that doesn't mean when they get here, we have to accept what they bring. We're importing poverty. We're importing cultural degradation of epic proportions. I mean, when you bring too many people from a damaged, destroyed, weak, s-hole country, as Trump called it, when you bring too many people in, it overwhelms your culture. And there's those of us that don't want to change this culture so that it becomes a loser mentality. It's not that we're racist. I told my wife this past week I had an employee that was a temporary employee through a temp agency. And it was a number of things happened to be in the minority class, but a number of things that happened in this process. And I'm sure he sees it as a rich white guy firing a black dude. I get it. I, I, but it's not. It's about you, you keep lying to me. You keep telling me things that aren't true. You know, you keep telling me you got this many hours when I have proof you have otherwise. I mean, you're telling me that you, you're, you're, you're going out to get some materials and you're gone for three hours and you got people telling on you. A lot of times the stuff that people deem as racist is a way to explain away the fact that they themselves are flawed and problematic and they just explain it away as racist in order to describe why they are held back when it's really them holding them back. Hillary Clinton is another example of this in terms of women versus men. It's people like Hillary Clinton who give women a bad name. Now, this was her during the campaign. Take a listen. I have a lot of experience dealing with men who sometimes get off the reservation and the way they behave and how they speak. All right, the, the whole reservation comment. This was from the meat and potatoes of the campaign, 2016. Men who get off the reservation. In other words, men should be tamed. They should be calmed down. The beast inside of them should be subdued and put aside because a bitch like me ought to be able to control all the men. I know better. This is exactly why there are people in this country. I don't hate, but I come as close to hating Hillary Clinton as I do anyone because I literally think she is an evil being. I'm not trying to be judgmental, and perhaps that is. I think that woman is one of the worst people in terms of her impact and her behavior. I can't judge her soul or her heart. That ain't my role. But I can judge her behavior and I can judge her impact on society. It is deplorable. 
And I do. People seem to just get it. It's just fine. As long as she uses nice, colorful, professional words, it's all okay. I, I don't get it. Uh, by contrast, I asked the question on Quora, the social media site Quora. I asked, what, what is it that, that Trump could do? Is there anything Trump can do that could actually make you like him or agree that at least... At least he's been a good president and he's made some positive impact. Let me read you the precise question to put it in context. For people who don't like Trump, is there any point of economic improvement where you would begin to agree with his fiscal policies? And if not, why? Here's an answer by Chris. No, Mr. Trump's fiscal policies are based in self-interest and nepotism. Those two ideas guide everything he does. What's worse is that in Trump's world, there can only be one winner. That's no way to run a country in the age of glo- of a global economy, especially one that's supposed to set an example for the rest of the world. Now, this, this one paragraph breaks down everything wrong with the anti-Trump movement and the left or Democrats. All in one, mostly. But some Republicans fall into the trap of anti-Trump. Let me break down this one paragraph in an answer to my question, which wasn't even an answer. Let me read the question again. For people who don't like Trump, is there any point of economic improvement where you would begin to agree with his physical policies? Fiscal policies, if not, why? The question is rooted in, is there anything that he could do that could make you agree with him? No, Mr. Trump's fiscal policies are based in self-interest and nepotism. That's not the question. At any point of, is there any point... Well, so what if it's selfish and nepotism, but it's, it's helpful, impactful for everyone? Some argue in our topic a moment ago that Hillary Clinton is selfless. She's been a public servant for four decades. She had a law degree. She has all of these credentials. She could have done all of these things. Well, she's made a ton of money. She gets half a million for a speech. Usually public servants or someone who serves like a military veteran, they don't get rich serving in the military. Right? You don't even usually get rich serving in the military and letting those disciplines lead you to another job unless you do something completely different. They get rich just by the nature of their public service and the title of their public service. In the case of Clinton, First Lady and Secretary of State. So what is that except self-interest and nepotism in regards to Bill Clinton being a former president? What's the difference? This is always a reference to Jared and Ivanka. If I were president and had a brother or a sister or a daughter or son, I would, and they wanted to serve in my White House, by God, come on in, especially if they are accomplished, professional, successful, responsible people as Jared and Ivanka are. Who could I trust better to have my back as a commander in chief than my own family? Oh, no, we can't have that. Oh, we can't have that. He's such a bad person. Yet he, he, he brings his family into the mix as part of the overall success. Why is that wrong? That's about trust and dependability. He knows he can trust them to be his eyes and ears and to expand and duplicate his efforts and to be on the same page. We're going to get to Rex Tillerson in a minute. Rex Tillerson got the job and thought he would just overpower Trump and make Trump do whatever the hell he wants in terms of foreign policy. 
That's in 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 basic terms, and I'm not saying Rex Tillerson's an evil guy. That is evil. That is arrogant at its highest levels. That's one of the reasons we fail. So Chris answers the question about anything Trump could do. Could could we have I don't know six percent GDP? Oh, you wouldn't attribute that to Trump. You would say it was still selfish. There's also when you talk about someone making decisions in their own self-interest, as if though we don't all do that. I mean, what person does anything in their life unless it has a beneficial purpose for us? If I'm giving to charity, I'm doing it to make myself feel good or I'm doing it out of obligation, guilt, you know, shame and guilt of my success. If I'm helping someone out or or working on a charity, I'm doing it because I want to either be seen doing it or I'm doing it because I want to feel good about helping or I'm I'm serving my purpose. Just doing radio, regardless of what I make, media, radio, podcast, I'm being selfish. I'm serving my purpose. Now, my purpose may be selfless. My purpose may be to enlighten my audience and to inform and to help get rid of this this nasty, toxic mentality that um, pollutes our country. That's my purpose, so that's kind of selfless. But I'm serving my purpose every minute I open the microphone, so that's then selfish. The whole answer, the first sentence, no, Trump's fiscal policies are selfish, self-interest, and nepotism, okay? If that's your answer to a question about is there anything Trump could do, then you are focused more on envy and wealth shaming than you are on actually what success means. He went on, this guy went, goes on, Chris, uh, Mr. Trump comes from the world of real estate where every transaction is a zero-sum game. No, it's not. Most real estate transactions, as toxic as the business is, are win-win transactions. A seller needs to sell. They want to get the most money. They want to close quickly. A buyer needs to buy, and they need to be in before school or before the end of this or before they go to work or whatever it is. And they come up with a, an agreed price where both parties agree the seller may not get as much as they want and the buyer may not uh, get it as low as they want to buy it, but they come to a price, they both put their signatures on a piece of paper, whether it's a $100 million commercial deal or a $100,000 home sale, it's all the same. We all have to agree, no one's doing it with a gun to their head like in the drug game or the mafia, and then we go to closing. And in some cases, people construct language that takes advantage of one or the other, and it's a win-lose. But in most cases, it's win-win. What, what guys like this refer to when they talk about Trump, they're referring back to the adage of maybe when he would buy up a city block. He would buy a building that had been struggling for years out of foreclosure or out of some sort of um, uh, you know, distress situation. And he would do it perhaps with a company that didn't identify him specifically so that people did, oh, Trump, well, we're going to charge twice as much for it because that's how people are, not what's fair market. Oh, you've got the money. I'm going to go get you. People who think with win-lose mentality always see people like Trump with win-lose mentality when, in fact, you don't make it like Trump with that mentality. You don't make it long with win-lose mentality. You do business with people and you're always winning and they're always losing. Eventually, it's going to be lose, lose, and you're going to be losing. So when Trump would go and buy it, you know, fake name, whatever, which is fully legal, you buy commercial real estate. I'm, I'm thinking about going after something right now and I don't want the buyer to know who I am or the seller rather. I'm going to have to go hire somebody to do it for me. It's not illegal. I'm not trying to hide anything. 
I just simply don't want someone to know this for specific reason, this particular piece of property and why I'm pursuing it. What Trump would do was a step further. He'd go up and buy the whole city block while he was in the covert operation before he put the Trump name on it. And people go, well, that was a lose for everybody, all those people. They just waited to sell to Trump. When he renovated that first part of that block, they could have gotten a whole lot more money for it. Well, no shit, Sherlock. No shit. Of course they could have. That's called stupid for anybody to do any differently. But this is how America now thinks. America thinks because Trump came into a community. Everything's a freaking mess. They're struggling. And he buys up a distressed property, hides, makes it, you know, T.O. 3347 LLC and he's got Michael Cohen or some covert attorney doing all the front piece and negotiation on it and then he goes one by one by one and buys up in different LLCs all these other properties on the street because he knows he's about to renovate it I'm dealing with this now on a, on a property and I've got uh, several of these in the same street and everybody's sitting around waiting for me to fix mine up and I keep having my contractors go, how about this on the exterior? There's a hole. It needs it. Patch it. What's going to look like crap? Yep. Patch it. Make sure it's code and, the, and they're going to leave me alone at the city. But patch it out. I'm not going to make the neighborhood look better until I bought up all the units I want to buy. Oh, that's selfish. That's win-lose crap. No, it's not. I'm not investing in 30 units. I'm investing in 14 or 15. Why do I want to raise the values in the neighborhood prematurely so everyone else can wait for me to go through all the work and risk and trials and tribulations and dealing with code and everything get it all straight so they can come in behind me and benefit from it well that's a win-lose no it's not it's called smart business and if you see something like what i've just described as win-lose where i'm winning at the loss of others no the others are not winning on my coattails this is a huge issue in this country the fact that I want to go into a neighborhood, as Trump did many times in the commercial business, buy up a bunch of properties, keep them looking like crap till he gets his position in place where he feels like he's got enough control of the block to really make a difference. And he certainly doesn't want to start renovating one and driving up values of others at the same time. So you get it all in line and then you do it. Well, he took advantage of people who didn't know what he was doing. Well, of course he did. And if you think that's bad, you're living in the wrong country. He didn't take advantage of anyone. He didn't allow others to take advantage of his work, ingenuity, and opportunity or opportunistic attitude. He came in, saw a vision, bought up something distressed, renovated a city block, made it better for everybody, created jobs. And he was simply putting himself in a position, playing it in a, in a style of poker where no one knew it was him so they wouldn't jack up the price because it had the Trump name on it because that's how jealous, envious losers do it. And he wasn't going to start renovating it until he had the, the land positions he wanted. And again, I say this, I'm being repetitive, but all these people go, well, that was just, you know, the, all these people should have known that. No, they shouldn't. They should go out and risk their ass the way Trump did. And, and be a pioneer and a leader and, and, and have a vision and go build something and put their neck out. And then they have the right to get all that benefit. But because they're too busy worried about what everybody else has and what everybody else does, they can't see opportunity which slaps them in the freaking face. And that's this guy here. One, I did get one good response. Uh, well, I got a couple. Here's guy says, Tom says, I would... Uh, 
I would start to agree with Trump, begin to agree with his physical policies if GDP was consistent at 3% or higher for a few quarters. That's fair. That's kind of what I'm looking for. At, At what point do you admit, if you're a Trump hater, maybe I was wrong. You know this is going to happen. The question is, let's go ahead and see what it's going to feel like before it does. Let's, let's have some fun, fun with it. One guy says if income inequality goes down significantly, that would be encouraging. That's fair. Um, one guy started talking. I'm able to find this one here. Uh, here it is. This was pretty smart. Let me read the question again. For people who don't like Trump, is there any point of economic improvement where you would begin to agree with his physical policies? If not, why? Here's Charlie. Charlie said the left is hardening its positions, not loosening them. In South Africa, they're confiscating uh, the farms. Property right, they are. Because if there was white people in Africa, there was this, uh, in South Africa recently, there was this initiative in their legislature or whatever it's called there to go after the white people because it was ill-gotten land and return it to the black people. That was literally allowed in the halls. I don't know what the legal outcome of it is, but it was allowed in the halls of their, of their government. In the UK, Lauren Southern has been, not, been denied entry because of her right speech. A number of vaunted European social democracies are no longer peaceful or free. Here in the U.S., the coup, de, the coup d'etat against Mr. Trump is afraid their anti-constitutional activities will expose them. Their Russian collusion conspiracy theory is half true, not for Republicans, but for Democrats. The final Mueller report will be crucial. I expect violence with either conclusion. The left is just that committed. We're at a tipping point. If we stay true to the U.S. Constitution, we'll be all right. If leftists gain more political power, we'll be in for a protracted struggle. Personally, yours truly here, Crabtree predicts the latter. It's the price of freedom that we tolerate ideas antithetical to freedom. Our arguments have been dismissed and we're now arguing defensively. It's hard to believe that we even have to make an argument for freedom, but we do now more than ever. That is a very wise comment by Charlie to my very innocent question. And he's pointing out what I kind of knew going in. To people who are on the left who hate Trump, they hate him because of the worst form of projection. They're afraid of finally being exposed. For the anti-constitutionalists, gun-grabbing, anti-religious, leftist hacks that they are. They're afraid that the truth of what they want will come out. They say they don't want to take our guns. They believe in the Second Amendment, but that's just bullshit. It's full, outright bullshit. Look at what's happening in California. Well, we don't want to take your AR-15 away. We're just going to limit the number of bullets you can have in your clip. What the hell good is an AR-15 with six or eight rounds of bullets? You can fire that out in 10 seconds or less. So I just, would I go buy 40 clips? No, they want to make the taxes higher. They want to make it a revenue source. They want to make it where middle-class Americans can't feel empowered and defended. Because when you are in fear, when you are in fear for what you're going to eat for dinner tonight, for your safety, your life, or your own personal domain of sovereignty in your own home. When you are at fear for those basic tenets and elements of life, it is then you can be controlled and manipulated by groups like the left. The Constitution is a stopgap measure to keep dictators, bad actors, 
rogue individuals from ever taking hold. You may not like what's happened in the FBI, but we're finding out about it. And accountability eventually, too slow, but accountability will eventually come because of this democratically elected republic and our constitution. They want to change that. They want to change our monuments. They, I don't care a damn about the Confederate flag and the monument, all, all these monuments, except it's history and it's something we shouldn't scrub. We should teach it as it existed. We should be embarrassed by what's embarrassing. We should be proud of our transformation and we should be proud of our achievements. But whatever it is, let the chips fall where they may. But part of removing the symbols of the Confederacy, part of taking down statues and, and monuments to our founding fathers is nothing about racism, racism or minority or, or trying to keep people from being offended. They're simply preying on the race baiting they've created on the left. They're trying to scrub our history, and by scrubbing the people from it that were transformative and relevant to building the greatest nation and democracy ever on earth, this republic was built by those people, and if they can scrub those people from the monuments, from the statue, from the history books, and turn them into evil people who were abusive slave owners who preyed on minorities and women and were culturally, culturally deviant, if they can rewrite history to where our founding fathers, even Columbus who discovered America, all become bad, then they can convince the masses, the youngsters in the indoctrination centers across the country called schools and colleges that we need to change what they wrote. And what they wrote was the Constitution. See, it starts with the Confederate. Oh, there's, there's offensiveness here. It's just so it's so it's such a struggle for all of these people of minority and color in America to have to look at these statues and these evil flags. It reminds them of their ancestors and what horrible pain they went through. And that's a that's a meaningful argument. There is some validity to the feelings that people have regarding that argument. I won't deny that. But it's a false equivalency. The left isn't interested in their feelings or making them feel better. They're interested in coalescing an army of people who will seek to scrub from history for a reason they think is honorable, getting rid of the, uh, of the offensiveness or the nature of the offense of what occurred to slaves and black people. But the real goal is to undermine the credibility of the founding fathers. They tell you half the story. They don't tell you all of the history. They don't bother to tell you that the reason that there was slavery allowed even during and after the revolution was because the only way to get the southern states to join the north and team up to defeat the British, the monarchy, was to agree to allow slavery. So even people who supposedly supported slavery within the group we call our founding fathers didn't necessarily support it, but they supported first and foremost the union of the United States of America. And if that meant that they had to tolerate slavery, at least for a time, so be it. And they did. The greater battle there was winning the war against the British and gaining our independence, because without that, you would have had slavery infinitum. But because they created, our founding fathers, they created the United States of America and, and detached from the monarchy, from the United Kingdom, from England, we created the country 
that led the way in many examples in the developed world of abolishing slavery and creating equality for all people of all walks of life. That's not good enough. I've got to convince you that all those people that were there at the time when it was going on are all bad because we've got to change it even more. And if the change comes, albeit it'll take some time, but if the change comes, it will be very devastating to this country. What they don't contemplate is that when you weaken yourself, you begin the destruction as well. We have certain values and principles, whether we like them or not, that are called our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, our amendments. And it's set up in such a way that unless the states overwhelmingly agree, they can't be changed. It's okay to present those ideas and those changes, but it's not okay to be in detriment to them, to be existential threats to them, to create policies that systematically, over time, undermine our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, our amendments, and to go through back channels of cheating and corruption to do it, as the left is doing. And Trump is the danger, the, the real threat to that, because he is using their style against them, yet with a constitutional footing. And they're devastated. They're afraid. They're, their worst nightmare is coming true, that they are being exposed for the crooks, deviants, and destructors they really are. Moving on, uh, Rex Tillerson's out. Uh, Trump finally fired someone that was doing nothing in his cabinet. Uh, I'm wondering when Jeff Sessions is going to be next, but um, perhaps soon, uh, now that you're starting to see the dominoes fall in favor of Trump, you had the Republican report out from the Intelligence Committee saying we found absolutely no evidence. I say Republican report. I'm falling into the media trap, the Intelligence Committee of the House, which is led by the Republican majority, but still has Democrat involvement, has concluded there was no Russian collusion. The reason Trump likely hasn't fired Attorney General Jeff Sessions is because the firing of anyone major in the Justice Department will be yet another reason for the media to go bananas and convince America or attempt to that Trump is obstructing justice to stop from having the truth about his business and uh, Kremlin dealings that led to the presidency illegitimately against the anointed one, B-word Hillary Clinton. So he fires Tillerson. As I read into this firing of Rex Tillerson and then the nomination of Pompeo, the current CIA director, as the replacement for Secretary of State, good choice, by the way, I'm, I'm... I'm understanding in a, in a different fashion what I didn't really know before the firing. Rex Tillerson, the former CEO of Exxon, who had all the credentials in the world, was actually an establishment pick. People like Condoleezza Rice, former State Department people, saw Tillerson as a guy with a lot of experience at a different level in the business world, negotiating with major governments in the Middle East and, and in Asia, where we have some tension and even some enemies. And he had been able to successfully manage through all of that, running an American-based company called Exxon, which its own value and income is greater than most countries in the world. So he certainly had, as CEO of Exxon, years of experience needed for Secretary of State, and he had that business acumen that Trump brings to the executive branch. What quickly became obvious, though, by, by the recommendation of Rex 
by the many past establishment people, even people like Condoleezza Rice in favor of him. I'm, I'm a fan of Rice, but these people are a little more into the protocols of Washington, the system, the government, the, the process over the people, and the, and, the, and the institution sometimes takes value. The FBI, as an institution, its reputation was more valuable than its corruption. The American people see it the ob- 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 opposite. We don't care about the institution. We care about the purpose of the institution. And if it's not being fulfilled, we care about having it held accountable. People in government or inside the institutions don't. Rex Tillerson came from that cut of cloth. He pretty much disagreed with Trump on everything. Iran, how to deal with a nuclear deal. North Korea, the the approach to that. Without any help from Tillerson, as far as we can tell at all, Trump has brought Kim Jong-un to the brink of the table to sit down and negotiate a denuclearization of North Korea, something that Clinton, Bush, nor Obama ever got close to. Rex Tillerson called Trump an effing moron last year. Not confirmed, but that seems likely. He disagreed with him on Charlottesville. How to handle crises in the Gulf from basic things between Qatar and Saudi Arabia to the overall overarching wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, the, the issues with Syria and how Russia plays into that. There seemed to be nothing where Rex Tillerson agreed with Trump. And I'm going to put this in a different light. A lot of people are saying, well, Mr. Tillerson's a very able, well-qualified diplomat who's done a very good job in the time he's been in the State Department. Uh, you know, and it's not uncommon for after about a year in office for someone like Trump and a new young administration to start making uh, some changes at certain levels of the government. I, I, I just want to go slap when I see those people on TV or hear them on the radio. Bullcrap. No, what it is, is this arrogant buffoon came in to the executive branch at the recommendation of others in sort of a coup d'etat, if you will, of diplomats, making sure they had one end to watch out for their interests. And then he did whatever the hell he wanted to. If you don't like what the commander in chief is doing and you serve in a subordinate role to him in the federal government, whether it be an agency or department head, an aide at the White House or an employee at some lower level in those agencies, if you can't carry out the damn task without opening your mouth in abject insubordination, And in other cases, working against the very cause and agenda of the elected president of the United States, then quit. I am so sick of these selfish people who believe that they're in a role. The most important role of my life is working in this White House or in this executive branch because someone's got to be here to keep this idiotic buffoon President Trump in check. That's not your job. Your job is to do your job. It's not to keep the president in check. You work for the president. This, this is, a, I see this in business at every level, up and down the spectrum, all the way up to the White House. All of these people who believe, well, I'm going to keep taking my paycheck. I'm going to keep doing whatever the hell I want. I'm going to act so nice. I ain't that nice. And I'm going to smile at the boss. I'm going to tell the boss everything they want to hear. You're stealing when you do that. You're stealing. You are a thief. 
you're morally a thief. And in my opinion, you're legally a thief. If you are being paid to do a job and to carry out the actions of a leader, and you're not the leader, as Trump is in this case and scenario versus Rex Tillerson, former Secretary of State, and you're doing your own agenda, you're not dispensing the best advice because you don't want to be caught for being against the grain, and you're staying in the job because you feel that your job is more about holding this guy accountable and balancing and checking him, than actually doing what he's asking to carry out the agenda. Not only are you stealing when you take your paycheck, whether it's a dollar or a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars, you're also working against the will of the people. Which means it's not really espionage or any of that treason, but it certainly starts to resemble it. I mean, I, I'm just I'm so I'm so amazed at the number of people in the ranks of government who feel that their role now has elevated to a, a point that it's never been so important in my life to serve in my role as it is now because of this president at this time. And the fact that I'm a stopgap to make sure he doesn't, I don't know, push the buttons the wrong time. And if you really believe that and we face a significant threat as a homeland. And the president says, push the button for the nuclear weapons to thwart that threat. And you don't do it because you are so sanctimonious and self-anointed as some sort of de facto leader. And then millions of people die. The blood's on their hands. That's how important some of this stuff is. These people have to go. Jeff Sessions, for the same reason, has to go. He can't go because the left has created this narrative of Trump collusion and conspiracy and obstruction so he politically he can't fire him he could but then it's just one more brick on a load that's already too heavy that's the biggest threat to the trump presidency and its success is people inside it that came in saying one thing but are doing another because they believe they are better than you they believe they know more than you they believe they are wiser than you and they believe they're more entitled to power and influence than you. I got news for them. They're not. And I liked Tillerson as a pick. I thought on paper he was excellent. But anytime someone is working for another individual as, the, as a subordinate and they choose to do it their own way and not take the path of the leader, then they are thieves. They are crooked. Well, Brian, you know, sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe in. Good. Then quit. Quit. Oh, you don't want to lose the power or the money. Yeah, you have to stand up for what you believe in. Yeah. If you want to stand up for what you believe in and you're Rex Tillerson and you're against the president on everything, you should have quit six months ago, written a book and did a media tour and talked about what a pain in the ass this president was to work for. No, you just wanted the role and the power and you saw it as a chance to neutralize this evil guy called Trump and you were sanctimonious and self-righteous and now you look like an embarrassing fool. And we can all be nice about it. They can all say, oh, he's served his country. And yes, he has. He's great CEO, great record at Exxon. I'm not questioning that. But when called to serve, he did the opposite. He took. He didn't serve. Because service is far different. Service is far different than agenda 
and trying to be a leader and trying to insert yourself where it doesn't belong. That's why, that's why, that's why Tillerson heard those famous words. You fired. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook, The Brian Crabtree Show, Twitter, at Brian Crabtree. And always remember, keep it on Talk40.com daily. New stories, new topics, new audio, and new video every single day. The Make America Great Again Podcast with Brian Crabtree.